All right, well, hey folks, this is John from the Head of the Bed, and we're here in Tualatin, Oregon, with David Andrews of Outpatient Anesthesia Services of Oregon. Just so we can hear from your perspective, David, tell us a little bit about your current roles in anesthesia. In our company, I'm the clinical director for anesthesia services, which means I'm the clinical arm of our group. I provide clinical oversight to all of our all of our sites and all of our providers. So as a clinical leader, I help develop the um, approach and the service-based attitude that we want to see our providers supply to our clients. Uh, and I'm also the go-to for clinical decision-making problems from either the client or from our providers. And you're also the current president of the Oregon Association for Nurse Anesthetists. I am. I am. I served in South Carolina when I was there also. Really from the moment I got out of school, I became involved. Uh, Our practice was threatened at that point. They were going after us for office-based anesthesia and central line placement. And um, I was just starting out of school and I thought, wow, this, this can't go. They're going to try and you know take away some of my income. So I became involved with the Cyclone Association of Nurse Anesthetists and learned the process and uh, and worked with them to fight back. And we won. I was like, oh, this is an eye opener. This stuff really works. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I was hooked at that point. And uh, plus, you get to meet a lot of a lot of really good people. That's a fun thing for me. I like meeting meeting new people. You make great work contacts. So uh, when I came out here, I felt compelled to participate again. Good, good. <laughs> and it's fun. And so I've been honored to be elected this year as a president. It's a two-year term. So it's That's a fantastic. lot of fun. Well, congratulations. Well, yeah. thank you. And we want to talk to you a little bit more about that today. So today's podcast is about um, advocacy and anesthesia, and particularly participation in state and national associations by SRNAs and CRNAs. So we have got a lot of questions for you about that today. But what do you think are some of the most pressing issues facing nurse anesthetists on state and national levels right now? Um, I've thought about that. That's a great question. I'd say being recognized as full-service providers, that's really Uh what's going on now. There are a lot of impediments to that. Not so much on the federal level. ANA has knocked down a lot of those restrictions. On a state level, it's a state-by-state basis. So coming from South Carolina to Oregon has been a 180 for me. This is an opt-out state. Uh, South Carolina is, is not. Then further down the food chain are hospital bylaws, right. and those can be restrictive on a hospital-by-hospital basis. And maybe lastly, further down the food chain are CRNA attitudes. How do they see themselves? Do they see this as a job or is it a profession right. full of lifelong learning? And uh, so those are kind of how the decision of problem trees seems to flow from the national level all the way down to the individual CRNA. So how do you state associations, since that's been where your major involvement has been, what kind of role do those associations have in helping to shape kind of the response to those challenges? Well, I'm involved on a national level, too. Uh, I was just elected to a national committee, the nominating committee. I've sat, I've sat on other elected committees, too, the resolutions committee. So I enjoy both. They're, they're two different perspectives. One view is from maybe 100,000 feet. That's the AANA. Uh-huh. The state view may be from 50,000 feet. So different priorities and different perspectives. Most of the battles are won and lost on the state level. So the challenges we face are state-specific. Here, Oregon has already done a huge amount of lifting with getting opt-out, part of law. APRNs already enjoy a full scope of practice in Oregon. So it's, it's, a, it's an entirely different scene than the southeast, where it's much more restrictive and there aren't many opt-out states. So the challenges we face here in Oregon currently for this year are other competing providers trying to gain licensure and access to Oregon. We just passed two bills last year, prescriptive authority 
and office space anesthesia was codified, both those have to go through the rule-making process now with the Board of Nursing. So those are the three things kind of on our plate on a state level. So those, are those in place now? Are those having an effect now, or do they still have to go through that rule approval process? That's a good question. And, and part of being a CRNA and learning to advocate is you get to learn how the sausage is made. Yeah. And getting the bill passed, while huge, and getting it signed by the governor, it's only part of the process. Right. It can... It can languish in rulemaking forever. So now we have to work together with the rulemaking uh, regulatory groups, the Board of Nursing, to come up with rules that are reasonable and attainable for CRNAs to actually make the effort to get prescriptive authority. Right. And we've had a good relationship with the Board of Nursing. It's moving forward nicely, and I'm optimistic that things are going to work out great. That's great. So how can individual CRNAs and SRNAs uh, take an active role in their state and national associations and, and help to affect some of that change? It's really easy, but I think first you have to see the value and care. If you only see anesthesia as a job where you just show up, then you're not going to see the value in giving back to your profession because it's all volunteerism. Um, I get a lot out of it, uh, and I listed the reasons earlier, networking, uh, problem solving, and learning how to advocate. It actually makes me feel better about about our government and our country when I get to sit face-to-face with policymakers and rulemakers and find out they're actually reasonable people and you can't get, you can't affect change. Do you think that the financial contributions of CRNAs to their associations make a difference? They make a huge difference. Only 8% of CRNAs donate to PAC. 8% carry the weight of 50,000 people. Wow. Uh, now that's compared to, because the, the AANA has over 90% membership, but you're saying out of that, I mean, that's a huge membership enrollment, but out of that, only 8% are actually contributing to the political action committees. That's right. And, and uh, But that, that, that number matters. That, that's a huge difference. So we're, we're an underdog, and we leverage that to our advantage. The money and the, the PAC money that we donate does make a difference. It does say something to the, the stakeholder that we give that money to the legislator because they know that money is hard-earned, and it, it reflects right. hours of hard work from his constituents. So I believe every dollar matters. The flip side is we're up against big dollars. Right. So how do we maneuver ourselves as underdogs to get policy change and affect changes in our favor? Well, it boils down to personal relationships and building rapport and having integrity and presenting uh, arguments that are valid and are worthwhile. We have a history of doing this. The ANA has a long history of advocating for the right thing. And so based on past behavior, they're going to trust our future advice too. So right. that's huge. We have a 150-year history of advocating for patients' rights in the right way, not, not self-advocating. So we stand on the shoulders of years of integrity. Right. So the integrity is not just important to the legislator, but I would imagine the integrity of financial management is probably also important to CRNAs to know that their money actually does matter. It, yes, it does. And, and every dollar is tracked and counted and painstakingly uh, determined where it will go to have the most effect. And we are, we're a leader among nursing groups, APRN groups, and in healthcare groups in general in advocacy because of that. So what would you tell CRNAs who are uh, considering giving to a political action committee, what, what, what kind of message would you convey to them to uh, help them understand that importance and that value? I think it's important to participate in some way. If you can't give of your time, then you need to give some money. 
It gives you a sense of belonging. Your dollars matter, even a dollar, a buck a day. That adds up and it matters. So there's a, there's a lot of benefits. Your, your money is part of the solution and you feel like you're part of a bigger community giving back. You're doing what you can. I think it's certainly important. It seems like there's so much change going on on a state to state level and a national level at this time, you know, advocating for anesthesia and legislative means, you know, and educational means, educating the public as to the service that CRNAs can provide. There's so much that's going on. And uh, it seems like a, a pivotal time to be involved in one way or the other, whether through your time and participation uh, or through your financial contributions. It is. I agree. And um, that's that segues into a, an issue that um, I, I saw further down your question list. We had a drop off in participation with the ANA. And what, what do I think caused that or where that come from? From my speaking to other CRNAs, I believe that a big cause of the drop off initially was when the ANA um, earned a seat at the table with the Affordable Care Act. That was perceived by many as a political move, and it was seen as a maybe a, an endorsement of Democratic policies. And so, people who are staunchly Republican or on the other side of the of the aisle may have interpreted that as a as a political move, and it really wasn't. ANA is an apolitical group. It's member driven, but their goal was just to have a seat at the table. If you're not at the table. You're on the menu. Right. And they succeeded in doing that. And there's AANA-crafted legislation in the Affordable Care Act. That's the non-discriminatory rule that prevents insurance companies from refusing payment based on provider licensure. CRNAs came up with that. That's because great. we had a seated table, we could advance that. So I think that that's part of the reason that people left the ANA is they misinterpreted that move. Um, the other other issues have come up too. I think it's a challenge for the AA now to prove its validity and and what kind of value they can bring to their uh, members, and that's a that's a top priority for them. I can tell you, we want to get those numbers back up to ninety five percent. It's a powerful message to walk into a legislator's office and say we represent ninety five percent of the close to fifty thousand CRNAs. Right, that's a exactly. powerful message, uh, and the message we have is good. It's quality of care, access to care, and cost savings. That's the side of the argument you want to be on. Right. It's important to understand what the AANA is doing at, at a national level. It is. And there's a push to uh, go after younger CRNAs. I'm in my 50s. I maybe have 20 more years of work, but we want to we want to bring in younger CRNAs and show our validity to them too. And uh, so that's the ANA is focused on doing that right now. They're targeting that. Uh, there's a big PR push that's going to come out on a national level to get our name out there. But meeting the needs of the members is really a top priority for the ANA. Yeah, that's great. So what do you think some of the key issues will be for the nursing anesthesia community in the coming five to ten years? It's always money. It's going to boil down to those two things, uh-huh. money and power. So finding ways to secure our reimbursement in a changing healthcare environment. Yeah, it's a huge topic. It's a, it's a big topic, and there's no other group that's going to do that for us other than the AANA. They have key contacts. They're established, and that's who we have to rely on to do that. So that's probably the biggest issue. It's, it's going to be money. It seems like the trend uh, nationally is headed that way. That At some point, it seems like either a you know, major landslide federal change will happen to policy or that state by state, the creep will continue to move towards opting out and and getting reimbursed. Do you think that's the case? I, I think it is a creep towards cost savings. I agree with that. Not all of that is in our control. I think that's a lot of market forces that we're just going to have to react to. So the part that is our control is how we train and what kind of provider we're putting out there. 
That's right. within our, our locus of control. So we want to make sure we put out full service providers that can provide this full scope and range of, of uh, anesthesia services that our competitors do. And there's no reason why we can't. We've always done that, but we need to really emphasize that and ramp that up. I'd like to see a focus on that. So that would involve actually communicating to schools and directors to help uh, help them understand the importance of that. They do. And program directors have a real difficult task. They're in a, a, a tough situation being forced to train CRNAs in less than uh, cooperative environments. So I believe we are all paddling in the same direction, and we are. there's a shift towards the, the value of a full-service provider, but it's a big shift and it's turning slowly. But right. I feel confident that ANA, program directors, the COA, we're all moving in the right direction. That's to provide full-service providers That's moving great. forward. Yeah. So just to touch back a little bit on uh, the state and national associations, what can associations do? What can leaders in the associations do to foster awareness of what's happening within their state and really kind of draw in CRNAs to help participate? That's a great question. We struggle with it every day. Uh, I think it's relevance. How do we add value to individual CRNAs uh, in their day-to-day practice? How can we protect your practice and your livelihood? So those are the things we focus on. And Oregon has been a shining light across the country because under the leadership of Scott Rigdon and Christy Cowgill, they evolved from a, basically an event association to a legislative-driven organization, proactively. Um, so apathy is a challenge. Any organization, regardless of its trade, plumbers, lawyers, uh, physicians, about 10% step up to lead. That's average. So we have about that in, in the ANA and in then uh, ORANA. So, Instead of browbeating others or haranguing others because they don't participate, I try to lead by example. I enjoy doing it, and if maybe others will see that it's effective, it's fun, they're going to want to participate too, depending on where they are in their lives. Everyone's different, and at different points of your life, different chapter, you may have more or less time to give. But I've just chosen to lead by example and make it fun and enjoyable, and people see the benefit it gives me and others around me, and then they want to be a part of it. You mentioned a great kind of idea there that, you know, 10% are those that lead and step up. So you have, you know, this bell curve of providers that, while most of them are members of the AANA and perhaps their state associations, not all of those providers are actually taking an active role in, in leading, whether through contributions or time commitments. It seems imperative for those that are uh, leading to, to lead by example and to try to uh, instigate involvement instead of, you know, beating it over the heads of CRNAs and that kind of thing. I agree 100%. I'm glad you said that. And that's how I'm leading now, too. So our elections are about to come up. So we're out uh, getting nominations and people to step up and run. And one message I'm giving people is you don't have to step up and run or take on a big obligation. Any contribution that you can give uh, at in any in any form is appreciated. We're all at different stages of our lives. We all have different times, different commitments. And so don't feel as though you have to be all in or sign a paper or you're going to be browbeaten for whatever you do. It can be episodic, intermittent contribution. So as an organization, we have to, we have to find our relevance and the value that we can add to the members. Then they're going to want to give back and participate. That's great. So what can nursing and anesthesia program directors, professors, clinical preceptors do to help SRNAs understand the importance of participating in state and national associations? Uh, That's a great question. My program director, it was not a priority for him. Uh, It never came up. He didn't participate. Um, and so it was, it was not on my radar during school at all. Other program directors emphasize it and require it. I think that's great. It probably would have kick-started me. So 
it really boils down to individual program directors, whether they uh, see the value in it or not. And that's interesting. So moving into a program, that's probably a question you want to ask. If it's a priority for you, how does the program director feel about it? Will they give you time off? Will they allow you to participate? Do they expect you to participate? Uh, I see a lot of value in it, but it's ironic that my program director devalued it, didn't care about it. From a state association perspective, are there avenues in place to help these program directors uh, get involved and understand the importance of that? That's excellent. We uh, include our program directors here at OHSU. We encourage students to attend national meetings. We mentor them. We have a student representative on our board. Uh, So we're actively mentoring and encouraging SRNAs to participate. We took a, take SRNAs to the Fall Leadership Academy and to the, our lobby day up in D.C., and we have one here in Oregon. And it's neat to see them, uh, the light go off in their heads, uh, in their eyes, and to see that they really can't have an effect. And that's really a, a great side benefit of being a CRNA. If we were any other organization that people just kind of let us do our job, we wouldn't have the benefit of learning how to advocate and how to fight for things and how to, how to pass legislation. So because of this challenge we're faced, we get this great opportunity to learn how to legislate and how to do things, how to lead. Our state organization and the national organization teach effective leadership, how to get along in groups, how to make goals, and how to advance your whatever the goal it is that group. And that's, that's a great life lesson. That's just a side benefit of becoming a CRNA. And I think it helps that, you know, you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, the AANA has had the right message for a long time and has had integrity in their message. And I think that's one of the great benefits of being in anesthesia in general is that you're here to advocate for patients in an incredibly vulnerable moment and to step forward as a CRNA in particular and to further advocate uh, on a national level. Um, it seems to just be a, a great field to be in in general. So why not get involved? Why not help advance what we're doing? I agree. It's fun. And, you know, another another benefit is you get to meet the highest leaders in government. I was able to spend personal time with the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, three weeks ago, one-on-one time with him. And uh, he knows us. He knows CRNAs. He's been in the House for 24 years. He knows all of our issues intimately. And that's great to hear. Uh, it's not that he's going to side with us every time, but we're well-respected. Our message is heard at the highest levels because of the leaders who came before us. So it's a great act to follow. It's, it's real privilege. That's great. Anything that you would say uh, for SRNAs or CRNAs when they participate in these political days, whether at the national level or state level, uh, what are what are your you know top three or four tips that you would say when you when you're talking to a legislator, uh, ways to approach this kind of meetings? Um, that's a good question. It, first, you just have to do it. Right. It's like anything. Experience uh, going through an experience and, and so doing your first some, time intubating. You just got to go same thing. For it. You just got to do it. And then after five hundred times, you better be good at it, or right. you know right. we're going to drum you out. Right. But and these are just people too. Um, certainly up in uh, in D.C., the the legislative aides are, are young people in their twenties, um, and they're here to get. They want to make good decisions based on. Uh, good information, um, reliable information. So they're, they're depending on us to give them honest information, even if it doesn't benefit us. That way they're going to, they'll value what you have to say. That's how relationships are built. And that's basically all you're doing up there is building, building rapport and relationships. So when you don't be afraid to participate, all you have to do is show up. You don't have to say a word. You'll be mentored by other CRNAs. And certainly by the second or third visit, you're going to realize I'm the expert here. I know anesthesia. Even as a student, your perspective is is really important to legislators. 
you're the next generation of leadership. We want to see you, we want to hear your opinion and see you succeed. So I'm kind of, the, I'm moving out, I'm the older guard, they want to see students come in. So the biggest fear is going the first time. And once you do, you realize, I can do this, this is great, it's a lot of fun, you meet good people, and again, we're on the right side of the argument. So. Right, that's great. Yeah, I think most of the folks that are involved with the, from the head of the bed, we all went to the political day in, in Raleigh in North Carolina recently, and, and it was interesting. I, I felt very welcomed by the legislators, and it wasn't, uh, but it, it really wasn't that scary or intimidating, and it was nice to feel like we had a role in, in helping these folks understand what was going on. Well, you've got great leadership there with Sharon Pierce, I think the world of her, we're lucky to have her um, but it is it is uh, empowering to show up and get your message across like that and it's a technique you're building rapport how are you going to convince someone to agree with you you have an option of banging your fist on the mm-hmm. on the desk and and screaming that these people are they're gonna die or you can build rapport and give them data and facts mm-hmm. and be respectful to their uh, their position and right. not, not browbeat them. So um, that's the tactic we choose. It's more effective, and uh, so that's why we do it that way. If that's beating great. the table and yelling and screaming was more effective, we may consider that, <laughs> but I don't think it works. Yeah, until, until things change, <laughs> we'll keep that one on the shelf. So, well, that's great. Well, David, uh, anything else that you'd like to say about advocacy and anesthesia and participation in state and national associations? Um, yes, I, I do it because it's fun and I enjoy it. Anesthesia is a profession, it's not just a job. And if you don't advocate for your position, no one else will. Right. And there's a lot of change that's going on right now in healthcare. Uh, it provides opportunity, but only to those who are going to give that extra effort. So all the all the CRNAs who volunteer and advocate and and lead are doing this on top of the regular jobs. We all have family, we all have life stressors, but we've just chosen to go the extra mile to be a leader because it's it's a worthwhile endeavor and I get a lot out of it personally. So leadership involves doesn't involve less work, it involves more work. Mm-hmm. But the rewards are times ten. So I encourage everyone to find a mentor or just call your state association and volunteer. Say, I want to be a part of it or contact me personally, and I'm happy to help them. Well, thank you so much for that. Well, it, was a, it was a delight chatting with you today, and we wish you the best in your endeavors coming up with both the state association and also outpatient anesthesia services of Oregon. Thanks so much for your time. Right, thank you.